Good morning. If you are new this morning, I just want to uh, start by telling you that today is a little different. It's not a normal day at Cedar Creek Church, not that there ever is a normal day. Um, But today is definitely not a typical Sunday for us. First of all, my name is Wes. I'm one of the pastors here uh, at Cedar Creek. And typically, uh, when I have an opportunity to speak, um, to share with the church, I usually um, open with some kind of funny, or at least funny to me, uh, joke or story, anecdote, something. Uh, but, but not today. Usually on, on Sunday, our senior pastor, Philip Lee Sr., is usually the one that's standing here uh, communicating to us the truth of God's Word in a life-applicable way, but, but not today. This past Thursday, at around noon, Philip Lee Jr., the oldest son, of our senior pastor and his wife, Terry, for reasons we may never know or fully understand, decided to take his own life. He was 29 years old. He was an incredibly gifted, talented, passionate, loving and conflicted young man. Since that time, the Lee family and our extended church family and our community, everyone that that knew and loved little Philip, we've been thrust into a heart-wrenching, unfathomable state of mourning. Our hearts ache They ache for Philip Jr. and the struggle that he endured these past several months battling mental illness and addiction issues. Our hearts ache for the family and for the friends that loved him and all who have been left with questions. So many questions. On behalf of Pastor Philip and his family, I just want to thank each of you uh, who have reached out with calls or texts, posts on social media. I was blown away this morning as I was looking just at our Facebook page where the announcement of Philip Jr.'s passing, and there were over 40,000 people that have connected with that post, hundreds who have commented and, and shared that post. And I just want to say thanks on behalf of the family. It means a lot to them to know how much Philip Jr. meant to each of you. And tomorrow night, Uh, We will have a visitation for the family here at our Banks Mill campus uh, from 4 to 6 p.m. And then at 6 p.m. we'll have a celebration of life service to honor Philip Jr.'s life. I just want to tell you this morning that the, I believe the most influential events in your life will be ones that you never planned for, that you never saw coming. They just happened out of the blue. 
There are a lot of events in life that we, we can't go around. We can't go over. We can't sidestep them. We just, we just have to go right through them. And we live in a world that is broken, that is fallen, and tragedies happen to everybody. They happen to you. They happen to the people sitting next to you. They happen to good people, and they happen to bad people, and they happen to me, and they happen to all of us. Nobody is exempt from this truth. The Bible says this in Ecclesiastes 9, verse 12. It says, people can never predict when hard times might come, like fish in a net or birds in a snare. People are often caught by sudden tragedy. We're just caught out of the blue. Sudden tragedy. It just happens. Things just happen. You don't plan for them. You don't know they're coming. Right now, everybody who's listening to me, whether you're at one of our campuses or whether you're just watching online, every single one of us is in one of three phases, one of three places in our life. We either know someone who's in crisis right now, like the Lee family, or we ourselves are going through uh, the shock of a tragedy and a crisis, or you may not realize it, but you're getting ready to go into one. Because they happen all the time. And I know you're sitting there this morning thinking, man, I sure am glad I came to church for that bit of good news today. But it's the truth. You may be headed into a crisis that you're not prepared for. It may be a financial crisis, the loss of a job, or it may be a health crisis. You may get that dreaded phone call from the doctor's office. The test came back positive. Or, or it may be a relational crisis. Somebody has walked out of your life. Or worse, you've, you've lost a loved one. These things happen. We can't avoid them. So I, I want to talk today I want to speak to all three groups, no matter who you are or where you are, you fall into one of these three groups. And first of all, I want, to, I want to share with you what I believe are some simple, biblical, practical things that we all can do to help a friend who is experiencing the shock of a tragedy right now. Maybe that's you, maybe it's not, I pray that it's not, but if it's you, these are some things that we can do to help. The second thing that I want to do today is I want to answer the number one question that I've been asked that I've heard since last Thursday, and it's this. What can I do to help? What can we do to help? The Bible commands us, actually. If, if we are followers of Jesus, the Bible commands us that we are to help people in pain. That we are to, to help those who are in shock, to help those who are going through a difficult time. Galatians 6.2 says this. By helping each other with your troubles, you truly obey the law of Christ. What's the law of Christ? It's to love your neighbor as yourself, right? Jesus was asked one time, Lord, what is the greatest commandment? And he said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. We say it all the time, love God, love people, but th that's what it means. It means to reach out to people who are in pain. It means to, to show love to people who are struggling, who are hurt. When we do that, Jesus says, we're fulfilling the law of Christ. 
God wants us to learn how to take this shock, how to take this suffering and turn it into service. This summer for me has felt like a season of suffering. I was sharing with a pastor friend of mine the other day. We were having breakfast and, and he said, so how's it going? And as I began to relay to him the events of the summer and just things that I was experiencing and feeling, I said, you know, it just feels like it's been a summer of suffering. Many of our friends and our church family have, have gotten a diagnosis of cancer. We have several battling breast cancer and, and, and cancer in the pancreas and these different places. Many who are struggling with um, lupus and other chronic disease. Many who are struggling in their marriages, relationships. It just feels like a season of suffering. And at times it feels crushing and overwhelming. And now here we are in this season mourning with our senior pastor and his family but God <laughs> I said to my friend the other day you know but God is showing up and he is using these things to help people as we've shared the stories as we've shared the the shock and the sorrow as we've said what God is doing people have been encouraged their faith has been strengthened, and that's what it, what it means when, when it says in Romans 8.28 that God causes all things to work together for good for those who love Him and who are called according to His purpose. It doesn't say that all things are good. Many things are bad. And it doesn't say that God causes all things. It says that He causes all things to work together for good. He can take our sorrow, He can take our suffering, and He can use it for good. God wants to take our shock, and he, he wants to turn it into somebody else's salvation. He wants to turn it into somebody else's saving grace and somebody else's hope. How do we do that? <laughs> How does that work? Well, I'll just tell you, as I, as I look back on the last few days um, with the Lee family, and frankly, as I look back on the last 21 years that I've been a part of this church, these are, there are really things that are simple and practical, and they're things that we know, but I just want to share them with you today. Three of these things that I believe God calls us as his followers to do, to help those who are in the midst of tragedy, who are suffering. And they're on your outline. There's some blanks there. You may want to write this down as we go this morning. But the first one is this. Show up. That's simple, right? Just show up. Just be there. Don't, don't stay on the sidelines. Don't wait for an invitation. Just show up. I, I know if you're like me, sometimes when you see somebody that's in pain, maybe they've lost their job or they've just discovered that they have cancer or, or a loved one has died, our tendency sometimes is, I just don't know what to say. And so we let that keep us from, from reaching out, from, from showing up. And can I just tell you something? you don't have to say anything at all. In fact, it would probably be better if you didn't say anything at all. Because sometimes we say the wrong thing. We say stupid things like, well, it must be God's will. No. No, don't say that. I know you mean well, but please. Or we say things like, well, time heals all wounds. Don't, don't, don't feel like you have to say anything. Just, just shut up. And show up. You might want to write that down. Just don't say anything. Just show up and be there. We call it the ministry of presence. And by the way, don't, don't wait for an invitation. Don't wait for somebody to, to call and say, hey, would you come check on us? Just show up. 
There's a guy in the Bible named Job. And he's a guy that lost everything that he had in one day. He lost his health. He lost his wealth. He lost his entire family. And it says this. This is what happened in, in Job chapter 2. It says, When Job's three friends heard about all the troubles that had come upon him, they set out from their homes. And they met together by agreement to go and to sympathize with him and comfort him. Man, that, that's true friends, isn't it? That's what we do. We just roll out when somebody's hurting and we know and we hear about it. We just go. We just show up. They didn't need an invitation. They didn't need Job to, to send a carrier pigeon or a camel caravan to get to him and say, hey, come check out your buddy Job. They just went. Thursday evening as I was at the Lee's house and still really in the throes of this thing just early for the first few hours, and I was talking with Pastor Danny and talking with Pastor KT, and we were just trying to figure out, you know, what do we need to do to coordinate things for the family and, and to coordinate things for the church? And I just looked around, and I saw home group people just there. Some had brought food, and some had brought drinks, and some had brought bags of ice, and some just were hanging out. They were just there. They didn't have to say anything. They were crying. They were just being there. That ministry of presence. Can I just tell you that when you are in a deep, deep pain you don't need words you need touch you need a hug you need a hand on the shoulder you need a handshake or something just being there and the second thing that we can do for a friend who's struggling is just to share their pain just to share the pain with us it's the second thing that we see job's friends here in job 2 chapter 12 or verse 12 and 13 it says this job's friends saw him from a distance remember they're coming to see him they're traveling to see him and they began to weep aloud they hadn't even got to him yet they just see him in the distance they know what's happened and they're already crying and they're already weeping and it says that they they tore their robes and they sprinkled dust on their heads can I just share with you this morning, if you have a friend who is suffering greatly, don't do that. It's just weird. <laughs> don't, don't tear your clothes and sprinkle dust on your head. That's not something for us in our culture. It would just be strange to do that. But in this culture, in, in a Middle Eastern culture, it's really a, a great thing because it just says to them, I'm here. I, I, I feel you. I'm with you 100%. I'm struggling with you. I feel your pain. It says they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their head. Then they sat on the ground with Job for seven days and seven nights, and no one said a word to him. Can you imagine? Have you ever sat with a friend for a day and not said anything? I know I haven't. That would be impossible for me. My wife will tell you I can't keep my mouth shut that long. But it says they sat for seven days and seven nights, and nobody said a word to him because, listen to this, they saw how great his suffering was. This is not in your outline, but I want you to write this down. The greater the grief, the fewer words needed. The greater the grief that someone is going through, the fewer words are actually needed. You're going to need this. When people in your life are in pain around you, and the greater that grief is, the fewer words that we need. If your friend gets a splinter, Call them, talk to them for an hour. Talk all you want. If their football team lost yesterday, text them, give them, show up. You can hang out all day and commiserate with them. 
But if they've lost a loved one, if they're in deep pain, shut up. Just show up and share their pain. Be there with them. The Bible says that we, 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 we weep with those who weep. There's a season for everything, and, and there's definitely a season to just cry and just be there and share the pain of our friends who are suffering. Show up. Share their pain. And then this third thing, you take the initiative. Don't wait. You do something. Our kids are learning about this in Kids Creek this month. Initiative. See a need, meet a need, right? You've heard that. If you've spent any time at all at any Cedar Creek Church campus, you know this. This is a, a core value for us. Proverbs 3.27 says this. Whenever you possibly can. What's that word? What is it? First word? Whenever. What does that mean? It means whenever. That wasn't a trick question. In the Greek, it means whenever. Whenever you possibly can, do good to those who need it. Do good means anything. It means maybe run an errand for somebody. Maybe uh, call and say, hey, can I watch your kids? I know you're having a hard time. I just want to come over and let you, you go to dinner by yourself. Let me take care of the kids. Maybe, maybe you show up and just mow somebody's grass because it's getting a little high and they're just overwhelmed in something that they're dealing with. Whenever you possibly can, do good for those who need it. Let me tell you what not to do. Don't say to somebody who's going through a really bad time, um, hey, call me if you need help. What have we done? We've put it back on them, right? Now they have to do something. They have to work to get our help and to get our attention. Don't do that. I know we mean well, and we mean it when we say it, because if they call, we're going to be there. But don't say, call me if you need something do this. Um, call them and say, uh, hey, I'm bringing dinner Wednesday or Thursday. If they say, I don't know, say, I'll see you Wednesday at 6. Or, hey, I'm coming over. I'm going to hang out at your house so you can go run errands and do whatever you want. Or, hey, I'm going to Home Depot. Uh, I'm, uh, what, what do you need? What can I pick up for you? I'm going to Kroger. I'm doing my grocery shopping. Can I do yours? You do click and pull or whatever they call it, and I'll, I'll get it for you, and I'll bring it to your house. When somebody's in shock, they're numb. They can't think. And many times we say, well, what do you need or how can I help? They don't know. They don't know what they need. I asked Pastor Philip on Saturday. I said, uh, you know, people are asking, how can we help? You guys are great about that. Text messages, everybody wants to know, what can I do to help? And, and this is what he said. He said, tell them that the greatest gift that they could give to our family is to live out the mission and vision of this church that we love so much. Are you kidding me? In the midst of their greatest pain, a loss greater than anything I can imagine, their response is us. They're thinking about us. And they're thinking about those who don't have a church home, who don't have a relationship with Jesus, who are not connected in authentic community. And so he says, just go and live out the mission and vision. Do what God's called us to do. Here's why this matters. Here's why this matters to Pastor Philip. Here's why this matters to us. Because every single day, 
in the communities that we touch, there are people who are dealing with great pain. Tragedy strikes. Somebody gets a call from the doctor that the test came back. Somebody's spouse walks out on them. Somebody loses a loved one. Somebody has had, they've lost something or someone that's greater. The loss is greater than they ever have thought about. And they don't have a church home. They don't have a group of people that will rally around them. They don't know Jesus. And so for us, as the church, as the hands and feet of Jesus, it's our responsibility that's a great word. I love that word, right? The whole idea of see a need, meet a need is caught in that word, word responsibility. As we have the ability, respond. Do something. Live out this mission and vision. Why? Because we believe that the Bible is true. We believe that everybody will one day spend eternity in one of two places, with God or apart from God, right? The Bible calls that heaven and hell. We believe that Jesus is who he said he was. That God the Father sent God the Son to this earth on a rescue mission for sinners like me and for sinners like all of us. And he lived a life that was without sin. The Bible says he was tempted in every way, but he did not sin. And because of that, he was able to die a death that we should have died. A death on a cross, taking the penalty of our sin and our shame upon himself. And the Bible says that he died for us and he was buried and three days later just as he said he was going to do he rose again and he's reigning and ruling today at the right hand of the father and one day he's coming back and we don't know when that is but until that day or until he calls us to be with him we have a mission we have a great commission a responsibility that he has charged us with to go and make disciples to baptize them and to teach them everything that Jesus commanded, to care for people, to love our neighbors as ourselves. Will we do it? Will we accept the responsibility? This is our hope. The hope that we have in Jesus, the hope of the good news, and there are far too many people in our communities that don't have that hope. And one day they're going to meet, uh, they're going to meet with a, a situation, a tragedy in their lives, and they're not going to know where to turn. And nothing breaks my heart more as a pastor than seeing people go through seasons of pain when they're not connected. And sometimes all they need is an invitation from us. And, and that's what I love about this church, is that we welcome everybody, right? It doesn't matter who you are or where you've come from or how jacked up you are. You can come here to any campus of Cedar Creek Church and you're going to feel welcome. And that's why we show up Sunday after Sunday. People come to all of our campuses and, and they create environments where people feel welcome to come to hear about Jesus, who he is, what he has done. And they're standing in parking lots in the heat and in the cold helping people find a place and saying good morning and, and they're, they're saying hey to people as they come through our doors and they're giving them coffee or donut holes or whatever. And they're serving their kids and teaching them about Jesus in an age-appropriate way. And they're, they're, teaching, they're, they're showing middle schoolers and high school schoolers what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. And lives and eternities are being changed 
because of that. And I, if you're like me, I'll just tell you, I'll be honest. There are some Sundays it feels like my feet are in the mud and it just feels like I'm going through the motions. And I don't ever want to be that way. And I have to check myself sometimes. As my friend used to say, check yourself before you wreck yourself. I have to, I have to think, I've got I to say this is far too important. Every Sunday somebody comes for the first time. And they don't have a relationship with Jesus. And we have the secret. We have hope that they need. Live out the mission and vision of this church. Recommit ourselves to inviting people, to connecting with them in authentic community, to growing in our faith, to serving one another, and to honoring God with our lives, worshiping God with everything that we do. If you are in the midst of tragedy right now, if you have felt the shock, or maybe just the events of the last week have caused you to feel like something that you thought had healed was opened back up, I want to tell you that there's two things today that you need to do. Two simple things. The first one is this. First of all, let me just say that I'm glad you're here. I'm glad that you took time to be here with us this morning, no matter what campus you're at, or if you're just at home watching online, you've tuned in, you're here, and I'm just, we're honored that you've made that time. But since you're here, if you're dealing with a situation that you feel like is overwhelming, you need to cry out to God. That's the first thing that you need to do. You need to, to cry out to God. Psalm 50, verse 15 says this. Call to me in your day of trouble, and I will rescue you, and you will honor me. Did, did you see that? What that says? It says that you actually honor God, you worship him, when you cry out to him. Why? How does that work? Well, because we're expressing our dependence on God, right? When we say, Lord, I, I don't know how to control this, I don't know what's going on, I need your help. We're expressing our need to him, and it honors God when we do that. The second thing is you need to let others help you. You need to let other people help you. And this is something that we struggle with, especially in our American culture, right? We're supposed to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps or put our big girl panties on or whatever it is that you say. You know what I'm talking about. We're supposed to have it all together and stay in control and not need other people, but that's not how we're made. God made us so that we would depend on other people. If you're going through a hard time, don't be harder on yourself by isolating. That's our tendency. To withdraw, to pull away, but you've got to let people in. You need people. Where do you find those kind of people at Cedar Creek Church? Shout it out. Home group. Thank you. Yes. I, I was going to title this message G-Y-A-I-A-H-G. Get your behind in a home group. That's what my message was going to be, but the reason is that's where we find this type of community. That's where we learn to, to serve one another and learn to do life together. You need a home group, and I know we say it every week, 
And I know that many of you are in a home group, or maybe you've been in the past and you're just in a season where you've disconnected. And I just want to tell you today, I want to beg you today, do not waste another day not connected in authentic community. Take a step of faith. Get recommitted and reconnected in a home group. Because I don't know what's coming. I don't know what in your life is going to be that thing that happens. And the last thing that I want is for you to be disconnected and not have a group of people who in a second's notice are going to show up at your house or at the hospital. And they're just going to love you. They're just going to show up. They're going to shut up. They're going to share your pain. They're going to take the initiative to, to serve you and to figure out ways to help you. If you're going through a crisis right now, would you, would you just let us know? That's one of the things, the hardest things for us, and I tell people all the time, I, if you don't tell me something, I don't know that it's going on, right? Especially if, if you're in a home group and you communicate, we, we, we value confidentiality, and so there are things that go on that I don't know about. And if you're struggling, we want to know so that we can help you. This church has unbelievable resources. We have pastors and staff. We have people that, that want to help. and wanna, We have care ministries. We have grief share. We have celebrate recovery. We have all of these things that exist to serve you and to help you. But if we don't know, we can't connect you. And we can't help you find the right resources. We want to pray for you. We're going to all gather tonight at all of our campuses at 5 o'clock, we, we were having this thing called CAST, but we've, we've turned it into just a night of prayer and being together to lift up the Lee family and to pray for the rest of our community, those who are struggling and broken. But, but we want to pray, I want to pray specifically for you right now. If you are going through something, if you're here this morning and you're in the midst of pain, would you just stand this morning? No matter what campus you're on, no matter where you are, would you, if you're just struggling this morning, if you don't know what tomorrow holds, would you just stand up so that I can pray for you? Thank you. Many of you I know are, are, are sitting and, and you're just kind of glued to the seat because you don't want to be embarrassed. But just, just take a step of faith. Look around. You're not alone. Many people are struggling in our in our community and in our church. And we have people that want to pray. We have prayer encouragers, prayer teams at all of our campuses. And so just bow your heads. Just close your eyes. If, our, if you're part of our prayer team, would you just um, be available for folks to come to you? And if nobody comes to you, just make your way to somebody. And if you're near somebody that's standing, just reach your hand out toward them in a symbolic way. Or maybe you're close enough to put a hand on their shoulder to just touch them on the elbow, maybe hold their hand, just let them know that you're there. Maybe you're not standing this morning because you feel like your loss was so long ago that you should have gotten over it by now. But we know that the, the pain is just as real today as it was when it happened. Just stand as we pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for being a good God and a loving God. By your grace, through our faith in Jesus, we can call you our God. Jesus, we thank you for who you are and what you have done. 
why that gives us hope and joy. And we lift up our senior pastor and his family to you today. God, we lift up Philip Jr.'s friends, our entire church family and community who are hurting. And Father, I pray for our brothers and sisters who are, who are standing now at all of our campuses, maybe in their living room, at home in their pajamas. They're standing as an outward symbol of their dependence on you, God, and their need for prayer. And we lift them all up to you today. And we ask you to do what only you can do, God. Would you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts Remind us of who you are, your faithfulness, your promises to never leave us or forsake us. This is a holy moment. Your pain matters to God, and so it matters to us. God, your word clearly tells us that we will plant in tears and Lord it feels like lately that's all that we've been doing that we have watered sick beds and grave sites and broken relationships with just buckets and buckets of tears but Lord we know that we have planted in tears but your word also tells us that we will eventually reap a harvest with shouts of joy so God would you do what only you could do would you, in your time, help us to reap? Help us to harvest with, shart, shart, with shouts of joy. I know, Lord, that just saying that, praying that today, feels for many of us like I, I'm saying we're going to climb Mount Everest one day. Like it's the furthest thing that could ever happen. But we trust you, Lord, and we believe that you work all things together for good for those who love you and who are called according to your purpose. Jesus, you are our wounded healer. Your word tells us that by your wounds, we can be healed. So Lord, I pray this morning that these, these small seeds of hope that we have, that we're willing to believe that someday we too will be, those of us who are standing and weeping today, that we will, we will, uh, we will see our shock and our sorrow and our suffering turned into a story that you use for our good and your glory. That people would come to faith in you because of the way We've seen you work in our suffering. Lord, I pray that we not grow bitter or angry. That we not let our grief push us to a place that is dark. Jesus, you are the light of the world. May your light shine in our hearts so that we might be a, a light in the dark places of our communities and everywhere that you call us to go. Lord, I pray for those who don't know you, that they will reach out and seek you for those who have disconnected lord i pray that they would recommit and reconnect with all that you have called us to as a church and for all of those who are broken and hurting lord help us your people to love them to serve them to create environments where they feel welcome to come and hear the truth of who you are and what you've done May eternities and lives be changed because of that truth, God. May hell be less crowded. We love you. We thank you. We pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.